Hey, I'm glad you decided to listen to this. This is We Love Blank, a podcast that I do where I interview people about stuff that they love. My name's Cassie. I love listening to people talk about their passions. And so I decided that maybe other people will like to listen to other people talk about their passions too. So this is my first interview that I've done and the first episode of this new podcast. I'm moving up in the world because I've got a different microphone than what I recorded the interview on. And I'm also recording in my closet this time, not underneath a blanket on my bed like I did in episode zero. So what was I going to say? I can't remember. I'll do like a bunch of like credits and thank yous at the end. But for now, let's just get right in. I am super excited to share this with you guys. Uh, So why don't you sit back and relax as long as you're not like driving or anything as I talk about pastels and stairs and linguistic shifts with my good friend Elizabeth as we talk about travel. talking about um so it's a total cliche but i love travel oh okay yeah so what is it specifically about travel is it like the act of getting from one place to another or most of the time that's not the part that i love i'll (laughs) say that much though i did just take the train across canada and in that case it was the travel that was spectacular but Mm -hmm. most of the time it's getting to see different places, meet mm-hmm. other people, eat different food. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. let's talk about food. Yes! Um, but uh, really it all comes down to the fact that like, I lived in Brazil when I was a teenager, and then that just, mm-hmm. everyone talks about the travel bug, and mm-hmm. I was bitten. Yeah. And there's no question about it. So yeah. now all of the money that I can spare goes to travel. Yeah, okay. So... Brazil mm-hmm. has been a place you went out west to BC. Mm-hmm. So if you're not super up on Canadian geography, BC is short for British Columbia. It's the westernmost province. Whereabouts in BC was that? Um, it was in the interior. That was a trip that we just took. So we went from Toronto to Kamloops North on the okay. train. And from Toronto to Kamloops, Google Maps tells me the distance is 3,852 kilometers or 2,393 miles. It is a four-day train ride, not including bricks or stops or anything like that. So lots of fun. And then from Kamloops, we drove another hour to Shuswap Lake. Okay. So, so it's not on the coast, so there's not like no. ferries. Or... No. So it's all like the redwoods and the Rockies and such? Um, so that particular region is quite dry. It's almost okay. like desert-y. So mm-hmm. on the train, we were telling people, you know, like, we're getting off in Kamloops, we're going to Shuswap Lake, and a couple people said, oh, like, what's the hottest you're used to? And I said, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm from southwestern Ontario. I know hot. So um, it's really, really hot, really, really dry. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, while we were there, it wasn't hot or dry, but, <laughs> you know, but really what mm-hmm. it came down to was not redwoods, not particularly beautiful, mm-hmm. foresty type landscape, but yeah, uh, 
beauty in its own way. Okay, yeah. <laughs> when I was little enough to need a babysitter, my family went out to PAI with our babysitter. And also on this trip, I just want to mention the babysitter that was with us, her name's Brittany, and she is super great, still one of my friends. And um, while we were on this trip, we had a cassette of this like Jonah and the Whale soundtrack. And like she we listened to it so much that Brittany still can't hear any of those songs without like dying a little bit on the inside. So, Brittany, if you're listening to this on behalf of my siblings and I, sorry. In PEI, it only rains for about a week in the summer, and we were camping, and we were there for that week, oh, solid. No. So, was it really <laughs> rainy for you guys? Was it, like... Um, it was pretty rainy. Yeah. It was... Like, the lake is quite deep, mm -hmm. and so we were expecting it to be really hot so that you could stand going into the cold lake, mm -hmm. but every day it was around 22, maybe, okay. at most. 22 degrees Celsius happens to be 71.6 degrees Fahrenheit, in case you're American. The first day was the hottest, mm -hmm. and then every afternoon, except for that first day, it rained. Yeah. For probably an hour or two. <laughs> so, not really swimming weather is mm -hmm. the moral of the story. Yeah, that's kind of crummy. Yeah, it was not ideal. Definitely not what we were hoping for. But mm -hmm. Is there a place that you've traveled to where you'd go back to? Um, yeah, I mean, we're planning a trip back to Brazil right now. Oh. So we're looking at going mm -hmm. um, next June. Okay, and the we is you and your boyfriend. Yeah, that's correct. So he's never been to he's Brazil? He's never been. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a first for him, and mm -hmm. we're going back 10 years after I came back to Canada. Oh. Um, so it's like an anniversary tour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so we're going back to where I lived during that year. Okay. Um, and we'll be there for a week or two. Okay. Um, and then we'll do a little bit of traveling mm -hmm. around the country as well to parts that I haven't been to. So it, technically we're going back to where I have been before, um, <laughs> but not necessarily just because of the beauty, but because mm -hmm. of the people that are, are still there. Yeah, because you got hosted by, like, families, so are yeah. you, you're yeah, going to meet exactly. up with them? Yeah, so I've okay. already let them know that we're coming, mm -hmm. and I was asking, you know, where where are good places to stay? And they were saying, <laughs> what are you talking about? You'll stay with us. Don't be ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it would be really good. And I mm -hmm. haven't seen most of them in ten years. I yeah. saw my two host sisters in January for the first time in nine years. Yeah, yeah. But my host mom and dad I haven't seen since I left. So Aww. it'll be intense, I imagine. <laughs> it'll be really, like, I'm kind mm -hmm. of nervous mm -hmm. about it, to be honest. Because, I mean, you've changed a lot since then. Right? I have changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And, like, there are a lot of things that have changed in Brazil as well. But, oh, yeah. Um, particularly politically, have made things very complicated there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm much more aware of that kind of sphere compared to when I was 15 years old. Well, you did study political science. I did. Yes, I so. did. And <laughs> I mean, when you're 15, your priority is not politics. Yeah, so no, yeah. I it's very there. much you and the changes you're going through and like yeah. this strange new place with yeah. new language and like food you've never seen before. Exactly. And, and going to school and math. Like, mm -hmm. you have to learn how to do a new math concept. Like, that's the, that's the 15-year-old priority. You have mm -hmm. to figure out your homework. It's Quadratic not, equations. Yeah, it's not who's president and mm -hmm. what their policies are. Mm -hmm. But now mm -hmm. um, the president is enacting some policies that I think a lot of the world disagrees with. Oh, yeah. So we did this interview in early August, which was before the news about what was going on in the Amazon right now broke. 
I haven't talked to her about her opinions on what's going on there right now, but it sounds like a disaster. So if you're able to assist financially or through like volunteer work or something like that, please do. It's bad time down there right now. He's still quite popular with a lot of Brazilians, including some of my host family. So oh, okay. I think that will be interesting mm-hmm. to get, because there's always a reason, right? So it'll be interesting to hopefully glean some of that perspective Yeah, to understand why, what they're seeing that we're not mm-hmm. sort of thing, because most of the world has pretty broadly condemned Bolsonaro, who's the president right now. Okay, yeah. And... Yeah, people still love him there. So, mm-hmm. And they're the ones who vote. So yeah. Yeah. we can say whatever we want to. And I mentioned at one point when I was messaging my, my host mom, you know, like, I hear things politically there are, like, kind of iffy. And she said, well, what do you mean? And so I could tell, like, oh, no. <laughs> I've said something wrong. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I yeah. said, well, you know, like, international papers are concerned about this, that, and the other thing. And what's your perspective? You know, like... Mm-hmm. This is your country. I'm not trying to tell you what to think or do or anything like that. But yeah. I'm, I'm, tell me what you think. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. But mm-hmm. one of my host sisters definitely does not like him. So it's it's oh, interesting okay. to get kind of both sides yeah, and within yeah. the same family because that's yeah. something we're seeing even in North America as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I will yeah. say Brazilians have the reputation of being hot-blooded for a reason. <laughs> they are hot-blooded. They mm-hmm. tell you what they mm-hmm. think and they get worked up about it sometimes. And yeah, that's yeah. just life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we have that sort of forced English sort of. Well, I might I might hate your guts, but we'll still sit down and drink for tea. Yeah, um, we're just generally pretty cold. Yeah, that was how my family there described Canadians. Okay, a couple yeah. of them had been to Canada, mm-hmm. and just even our demeanor in general with people that we like is so cold in comparison. Like, yeah. When you meet people in Brazil, you give them a kiss on the cheek and, like, oh, yeah. you're warm and you're open and everyone talks about everything that they're feeling all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. an introvert, so that was like, <laughs> okay, everybody's going to know everything about me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I have to kiss everybody on the cheek? What? <laughs> um, boundaries, people. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're so mm-hmm. warm and compassionate at the yeah. same time. So it's a very different way of life. Mm-hmm. And definitely I can see, like, we are just, we're, we have that English blood, I guess. So, <laughs> I can yeah. expect. It's the, it's the climate and how it it's affects the climate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of us have to be closed off in our little homes to keep warm, so we're also all closed off. You have to put the collective good above everything else, because otherwise you will murder each other come winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm, this is going to be hard, and I apologize for that. <laughs> What's the most impressive thing you've seen while traveling? Oh my gosh. Most impressive thing. Um, I mean, there are probably kind of two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll separate them into natural wonders versus man-made wonders Ooh. just to keep it, it, keep it easy and straightforward. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth has sent me pictures of these top two sites as well as a third thing where she went to visit and she talks about that at the end of the episode. So you can find these pictures. I'll be posting them in our Facebook group along with a notification of the episode going up and I'll be also putting them on our Twitter. So our Facebook group is We Love Blank Podcast and our Twitter is at WLB Pod. So yeah. I keep saying us, like there's more than just me doing this, but you know, 
It's fun. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The natural wonder was would definitely be at Guasu Falls in okay. Brazil. So okay. that's there's these waterfalls right around the meeting of Brazil, Argentina, and Paraguay. Okay, yeah. So the three countries kind of come together and there's a giant waterfall there. Mm-hmm. And so depending on the time of year, whether it's the wet season or not, there are like hundreds of waterfalls. And then during the wet season, a bunch of them come together to form like bigger waterfalls. Oh. So um, you can actually go on the Argentine, like on the Brazilian side, you can go and there are boardwalks and you can go and see a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But on the Argentinian side, you can go to what they call La Garganta del Diablo, so the, okay. the devil's throat. Okay. And you walk along like on top of the river mm-hmm. that's rushing below you. Mm-hmm. You walk along and and you hear the roar building and you start to feel the mist and you don't really know where you're going and then you end up at the top of the waterfall. So you can actually look over down to the bottom. And the 25-year-old version of myself looks back on that and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I have the guts to walk out to the edge? (laughs) That's terrifying. Mm. But it's stunning. Like, it's absolutely breathtaking. The power of the water and just... Mm-hmm. something else to behold all the little rainbows in the, in the air and the fresh water and it's just it's beautiful okay so that's that's definitely mm-hmm. the natural wonder mm-hmm. as far as man-made wonders a couple of years ago we went to we again being myself and my boyfriend mm-hmm. um to Spain, Portugal, Morocco, and a quick stop in Denmark. Just a few. Just a few. Um, real quick trip. Uh, <laughs> like I said, all my money mm-hmm. goes to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Spain, there's a, a city called Ronda. Okay. So Ronda is on top of two mountains. Oh, okay. In like the middle of this big plain. They're like mm-hmm. the only two mountains in the middle <laughs> of not very many mountains. The Lonely Mountains. The Lonely Mountains. In case you didn't figure it out, we're both pretty big Tolkien fans. And so um, because they're sitting on top of these mountains, there are all of these bridges, and these Mm -hmm. cities are old. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a very old city, Mm -hmm. dating back to, like, Moorish times. Like, real, real old. Mm -hmm. So Moorish Spain is also called the Al-Andalus. It's the time when part of the caliphate came up from North Africa into the Iberian Peninsula, specifically referring to the time period between the 700s to the 1400s common era. Um, Specific dates depend on what area regions you're talking about, but in general, the end of all Andalus is considered to be the fall of Granada. Uh, Ronda specifically, however, was definitely under control between 713 to 1485. Again, common era. And they were fortifications, right? So mm-hmm. if you were on top of the hill, you're you're safer yeah. and whatever. You can see more. You can see more. And so, and it's also harder to invade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the bridge has La Puenta Nueva and La Puenta Vieja. Okay. The genders, I'm a, a, bit, a bit confused. I'm not sure what gender a bridge is, but... In case you are wondering, Spanish bridges are in fact masculine. The old bridge and the new bridge. Mm-hmm. And the old bridge was built by, like, the Moors or something, and mm-hmm. the new bridge was built by, like, the Romans. So <laughs> new is relative. It's, like, probably mm-hmm. six, seven hundred years old. That's like... <laughs> Le Pont Neuf in Paris, which is the oldest bridge in the city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 
El Puente Viejo was finished in 1616 and El Puente Nuevo was finished in 1793. And people just use them. Yeah. They're just normal bridges. Yeah. But if you look down, like, mm-hmm. they're real tall and <laughs> real old. It's like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> right. Um and, like, in that same city, there's a stairwell that goes mm-hmm. all the way down to the bottom of the mountain. Oh. Which is where the... Is it a spiral? No. Well, not quite. It ends up going in a circle, but they're quite squared off. Okay. Old stairs are frightening to walk on. Um, even, like, straight staircases where the marble has worn out, especially if they're made out of marble, but stone, like, if it's worn out from so many people walking on it and slowly being eroded over time... It's a very wavy, bumpy, oh, I thought that the stair was going to be here, but it's slightly lower or slightly higher than I expected. It's the worst. And spiral staircases are so much more worse because it's just turning and turning and turning and you can never see the end until you're like, oh, light again. I forgot that this was a thing. Um, However, spiral staircases did have an actual purpose and function beyond the general aesthetics of like a cool spiral staircase without the the walls on the side. Those look sick. Anyways, but a defensive purpose of spiral staircases was if you were going down the staircase, so you were defending the castle, you'd be able to have a broader range to swing your weapons. And if you were coming up, you would have shorter and you'd keep on hitting the wall instead of the person you were fighting. So the more you know. But it was for the prince or the king or whatever ruler. Mm-hmm. Emperor. Yeah, so I am 85% certain that it would have been the family of the Marquis of Salvatierra. I think that's how you pronounce that. Um, but the Marquis' palace is right on top of the staircase, so it makes sense that it would be his family that'd be going down there. His wife and ch- and daughters to go down to the river to bathe. Oh. And you can actually go down these stairs still. Oh. And it's slightly terrifying because they are mm-hmm. not standard sizes. They're not exactly <laughs> 10 inches apart. Um so you mm-hmm. really have to watch your step, and then mm-hmm. you have to remember that you have to climb up all of the stairs again at the end, which is something we forgot. Um, but it's really cool to walk in the footsteps of royalty hundreds and hundreds of years ago. <laughs> it's something. It's something else. Mm-hmm. Really neat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Best thing you've ever eaten. Mm, best thing I've ever eaten. Street food in Brazil is pretty fantastic. It's just mm-hmm. so the the region that I lived in. They don't have particularly exciting food. Mm-hmm. Like, public service announcement, if you're looking for amazing, spectacular food, don't go to Sao Paulo State. It's pretty meh. Mm-hmm. It's meat and rice and beans, and that's kind of it. Okay. But their street food is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something called a pastel, which is a sheet of... It's like a type of pastry. Okay. Um, sort of like puff pastry in consistency once it's cooked, but it's thinner than your average puff pastry, which is so many layers. So I've watched a few seasons of Great British Bake Off and Great Canadian Bake Off, so I'm pretty much a baking expert. And puff pastry is made when you're making the dough for puff pastry, you keep the butter cool and then you stick it in the oven and the butter melts and forms air pockets and gets real hot. On the other hand, pastel dough doesn't actually have butter in it. It's made with a Brazilian alcohol and vinegar. And I'm not sure about the process of baking vinegar. It might have something to do with it because it is a pretty bubbly 
substance, but the alcohol definitely does cook at a higher temperature, which could also make it flakier, just not in the same way that like a buttery flakiness would come from from pastry. Mm -hmm. And so you get like a pastel de queijo, which is a cheese pastel. I don't even know if there's an equivalent. And it's just this little, not little, it's big. It's probably like half the size of a sheet of eight and a half by 11 paper. Mm -hmm. And it's deep fried and salty and so like hot, 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 hot. Is it like, um, so it's like folded over kind of? It's like a little bit like an empanada shape? Um, it's, it's rectangular. Okay. Um, Mm. and then you can get like different things in it as well. So you can, casual, like cheese is the most common one Mm -hmm. and it's super easy and the cheapest. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can get like ham and cheese or you Mm -hmm. can get chicken or you can get shrimp or you can get mortadella, like a whole bunch of different kinds of fillings. Mm -hmm. And so we would just go to the beach and then we'd open a tab and we'd have fresh fruit juices and pastel all day and Mm -hmm. then run into the water and run back Mm -hmm. and like drink coconut water. And it's the Mm -hmm. life. So Mm -hmm. that's like... Like from fresh coconuts. From fresh coconuts. They cut them open. Yes. Right in front of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. probably like best food associated memory. And like the the salty when you're really, really hot, Mm. like salt content of that is spectacular. Mm -hmm. I also had a pretty amazing fish dinner on Christmas Eve in Lisbon. Okay. Is that like the Lisboa? Lisboan? Lesbian? (laughs) (laughs) So I looked it up. Somebody from Lisbos is called an alfachia. Nope, alfachina. According to the internet, it means little lettuce in Portuguese. And I'm not sure why. The first Google result, if you look at what someone from Lisbos is called, it's like, why are people from Lisbos called alfachinas? So... I don't know. Sorry. Would that be like the the turkey dinner for them? Is um, it like... Okay, so this one I did look up and actually found an answer to. Yay! So the Catholic Church had a huge influence on Portugal and Portuguese culture in general. And uh, on Catholic feast days, you aren't allowed to eat meat. You only had to do fish, which was part of the reason why New France was such a big deal, because there was huge fishing schools, opportunity stocks, huge fishing stocks in the New World. Fun fact. Anyways, so, so, and Christmas Eve was a feast day in the Catholic Church, so you didn't eat meat. So, fish would actually be a good Christmas dinner. Good job, Elizabeth. Proud of you. Or I don't think so. Like... It was just we were at a restaurant. Okay. And I mean, Portugal's like, like Portugal's got a lot of fish. Yeah, it's, it's right on the place. ocean. And during that whole trip, I've been wanting to have paella. Oh, but... okay. In case you are like high school me and have no idea what we're talking about here, paella is spelled P-A-E-L-L-A, and it's a rice-based dish. And you can have a bunch of different types. You could do chicken, seafood, Portuguese, whatever. If you search like insert protein here paella you'll probably find a recipe on the internet it's a magical place sometimes because my boyfriend's allergic to fish Mm -hmm. that wasn't going to be a thing i could do so i was i was wanting some fish Mm -hmm. and so i decided i was going to have it on christmas eve and so we actually started at a different restaurant and in lisbon i found it really annoying you walk down the street and these 
these waiters are like trying to sell you the restaurant on the street. So they're like hawking their restaurants. They'll come over oh, the menu and they'll be like, Oh, come over here. Like eat over here. It's great. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's so aggressive. Mm-hmm. So that night we were just like, okay, well we'll have a, a nice dinner or whatever. And so we, we went to long and we were drawn in by one of these restaurant hawkers. Mm-hmm. And we sat there for, 20 minutes, half an hour without mm-hmm. anyone coming to take our drink order. And I was getting pretty annoyed mm-hmm. and it was already pretty late, mm-hmm. but we were, we wanted to go to the midnight mass for Christmas Eve. Right. Neither of us are Catholic, but mm-hmm. when you're in a Catholic country, it's, yeah. it's a thing you do, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Christmas Eve and we weren't really doing a whole lot that was Christmas Eve. So we wanted to have something that mm-hmm. was Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so we had a deadline, like we had somewhere to be. Mm-hmm. And so we, we hopped over to the next restaurant over <laughs> and I think I had swordfish. Okay. It was so, so good. Nice. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty spectacular. And it was such a relief because I was so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Hunger really is the best sauce. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, that might, uh, again, just be mm-hmm. a memory-associated thing, but mm-hmm. seafood in Lisbon, it's pretty hard to go wrong. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I feel like I should explicitly state I'm a huge language geek. I am a big word nerd. I love learning about the differences in the ways that people speak and how they choose to communicate. It's super interesting to me. You've been to Portugal and you lived in Brazil, so can you, like, pick up a difference? Is there, like... Do they speak with different accents? Like, is it like UK, Canada, North America type deal? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's definitely a difference. Okay. Um, there's a difference between Lisbon and, and Portugal and where I live. Mm-hmm. My ear for the accents is not great because it's not my first language. It's not like my second language. Right, so yeah. it's mm-hmm. not as refined as, as someone whose first language is Portuguese, of course. Mm-hmm. But in the state of Sao Paulo, I would say that the accent is very clear. Okay. Um, so if I was counting to three, I would say un, dois, tres. Okay. Even that, I've, I've spent too much time listening to um, Portuguese, Portuguese. So un, dois, tres. Mm-hmm. So the S's are very clear. Mm-hmm. Versus Portugal, which is un, dois, tres. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's a got a lot more... of shh kinds yeah. of sounds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a lot more similar to Rio, oh, Okay, which is where mm-hmm. some of those early colonies started in Brazil yeah. for and... the Portuguese. So. Mm-hmm. There was a son of a king who grew up in like Rio and then was like forcefully dragged back to Portugal to rule. Okay, so quoting my source on this one, Overly Sarcastic Productions has a video about Brazil where they say that Napoleon brought the Bonaparte to the Iberian Peninsula and kind of scooped up Portugal to make sure that England couldn't get to the Mediterranean. So to escape and make sure that they didn't end up. So Queen Maria and her son, Joao, who would become Joao IV, moved to Brazil to escape possible persecution. And then once Napoleon was out of Portugal, they moved back. But before they did, Joao put his son Pedro in Brazil. And Pedro was a main person who helped make Brazil a constitutional monarchy. Monarchy? Nope. Monarchy is how you say that word. Monarchy. Anyways, fun bit of trivia. Yeah. That could have something to do with it. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so there's definitely, like, a lot more of the kind of Rio-similar mm-hmm. sounds, mm-hmm. but yeah. when I was there, you know, we'd watch mm-hmm. TV and you hear all different kinds of Brazilian accents, but the mm-hmm. accents within Brazil are quite varied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Northeast also has their own specific accent, which right. I can't replicate because mm-hmm. I don't know it very well, but I think Sao Paulo and the southern states the kind of clearer accent is more uncommon than common. Okay. Is my guess, just based on Mm -hmm. what I heard around. Mm -hmm. And, like, the fact that when people would hear me speaking, even with my English on Portuguese accent, they Mm -hmm. knew right away that I was from the southern southern states. Mm -hmm. Or that's where you learned Portuguese. That's where I learned (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. There were a couple... There was one time where the guy, like, he Mm -hmm. was definitely trying to flirt And he's like, oh, so, like, are you visiting from Santa Catarina do Sul, which is one of the southern states? I was like, no, I'm actually visiting from Sao Paulo, but I'm Canadian, so, you know, take your pick which way of visiting you consider me. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's fine, man, whatever. That's kind of a compliment that you can't tell that I'm Canadian first, but Mm -hmm. but, uh, there's a lot of... um, a lot more German influence in those southern states. Oh, okay. Um, so there were some German populations that moved there. Mm-hmm. There's um, like North Americans. There's a town called Americana, mm-hmm. which American. Yeah, that wasn't far from where I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that those those um, populations had an effect mm-hmm. on the language. Mm-hmm. There is a small isolated town in the mountains of Argentina where everybody speaks Welsh. I learned that fun fact from The Illusionist, episode 77. Uh, The Illusionist is an awesome podcast by Helen Saltzman that I thoroughly recommend if you like talking about language in general at all, ever. Go listen now. Please pause this video and come back. Pause this video. Pause this podcast and come back to it. I promise I won't be mad. Anyway, back to the interview. What? Yeah. So there was... Because English pe- folks were trying to stamp out the language, and so they were like, well, if we can't keep it here, we'll go somewhere else. And so land was really cheap in the Argentinian, in the Andes. So... Of course! They all moved to there. And so that accent is actually interesting because it's gotten a lot of Spanish influence on it now. That's so cool! Yeah! yeah. That's really neat! I'll have to add it to the list! Yes! What is on your list, actually? So, this year we're going to Mexico. Nice. We're in Mexico City for Date the Dead. Oh, okay. um, So we'll be away from the end of October to mm-hmm. the beginning of November. Okay, um, so how many times are you going to watch Coco before leaving? I've never seen it. Oh, you haven't? I haven't. Oh. So I'm not sure if I'll make a point of watching it or if I'll watch it when I get back. Okay, yeah. I'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that's on my movie list. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Mexico is this year. Mm-hmm. Brazil's going to be the, the big one next year. So 2020. Uh, 2020, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so we're going in June, and there are a lot of festivals that happen in June, so mm-hmm. if we're going to my small town where not a whole lot happens, I have mm-hmm. to have some kind of activity for mm-hmm. Russell, who doesn't speak Portuguese, to do. <laughs> um, and then um, the following year, well, same year, so 2020, my dad turns 80, mm-hmm. so we're going to do some kind of trip to celebrate his birthday, Okay. and then 2021... I'm gunning for Tanzania. Oh, okay. Gonna come out and say it. My brain kind of does this thing where it kind of wipes of all information and I really goof up here. So please be gentle with me, internet. Um, 
Because you guys went to Australia recently. We went to Australia. You're thinking of Tasmania, though. Oh. Um, Tanzania is, like, eastern Africa. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, so Kilimanjaro's in Tanzania. Oh. Um, but I've had this obsession with Tanzania ever since um, my boyfriend and I were having a, a disagreement about where we wanted to live one day. I was saying, I want you to live with me even if I want to live in Tanzania! <laughs> um, because it was the most random, obscure, faraway place that I could think of. So now I've wanted to go to Tanzania ever since. Mm-hmm. That was probably three or four years ago. So mm-hmm. I've had this fixation with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tanzania, and then the Mekong Delta is okay. the one after. Um, I had originally planned to go to the Mekong after a field research course last year. Mm -hmm. So when I went to Australia, um, I was actually supposed to go to Taiwan for that course. And so I wanted to do some traveling if I was already going to be paying for a flight. So Mm -hmm. I was going to do Taiwan for the course and then Vietnam and Cambodia and possibly Laos and that Mm -hmm. region. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had started doing a bunch of research on it already when Mm -hmm. that course was canceled. Uh So I... I've been pretty bummed about that ever since, and mm-hmm. it just looks stunning. The mm-hmm. only problem is Russell is allergic to fish. Oh, yeah. Even if it's not fish, there's fish sauce. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to find a different travel buddy for that one. So I'm recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put my name into the draft pick. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, we'll have a draft. Mm-hmm. Travel a lottery. Buddies. A lottery. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I should have asked this earlier. So you've been to Brazil, BC recently, mm-hmm. Australia, mm-hmm. a bunch of Western European, Southwestern European countries. Mm-hmm. Where else has have my adventures taken me? Yeah. Um, what else is on your pa- yeah. passport stamps? So New Zealand. Okay. Although let's let's just go back and start from the beginning so that I don't mm-hmm. miss anything. So the yeah. United States. Of course, mm-hmm. I've got family there, oh, yeah, so yeah. lots of travel. Mm-hmm. I grew up near the border, so mm-hmm. you just hop over to Detroit. Then Brazil, mm-hmm. Argentina, and Paraguay while I was in Iguazu Falls. So mm-hmm. we hopped across the border while we were there. Mm-hmm. And then Spain, Portugal, Morocco. Mm-hmm. Quick stop in France and Paris. Mm-hmm. Had a terrible time. Oh. Then quick stop in Denmark. Also mm-hmm. terrible time because we were both sick. Oh. And then... Um, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. And you're a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I am a huge Lord of the Rings fan. It was amazing. <laughs> I totally, mm-hmm. definitely bought the Lord of the Rings guide to New Zealand. Nice. And we only did North Island. Okay. And we visited every site that we possibly could. Nice. So I've been to Rivendell. Nice. I've been to Hobbiton. <sighs> I've been to Mount Doom. Because mm-hmm. um, Hobbiton still has, like, a bunch of the holes Hobbiton still has all the hot holes. Yeah, yeah. You can do a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, like, go into them? Or? So, I hate to burst your bubble. Mm-hmm. The Hobbit holes don't actually have the holes in them. Oh. They're the doors. Oh. And then there's a five-foot kind of square space behind them. That makes sense. For opening the door, from the, like for outside shots, mm-hmm. for opening the door, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Mm-hmm. But they like it's still kind of crazy. So some of the chimneys still smoke. So they literally build these little fires inside the chimneys, oh. so they can have the smoke coming out of the chimney. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
there's only a couple that have that space behind Bag End, of mm-hmm. course, being one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, for the most part, there's so static doors that are pretty static. Wood. There's three different sizes, which is kind of neat. Oh, yeah. um, so, depending on the force perspective that they were going for. Oh, yeah. So, if it was they were trying to achieve the perspective of these homes being a normal size for hobbits, mm-hmm. they have a big door. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to achieve these homes being too small for a wizard, Mm -hmm. then they have really small doors. And then Mm -hmm. they have one that's kind of in between for everything in between that they need. Oh, okay. Um, And if you do go, book the first tour in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's brutal to get up and get to the first tour Mm because it's so early. Mm -hmm. But for all of your pictures, there's no one in the background. Right. Because they run tours every 10 minutes. Mm. So, how long do you have in, like, Hobbiton or something? You have, like, an hour-long tour. Okay. Um, so they take you through, they tell you about the building of Hobbiton, they tell you about everything there is naturally grown, except mm-hmm. for one tree, oh. which was hand-painted, oh. and, like, hand-designed mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tree above Bag End. Oh, right. Um, and, like, they take you through, they let you do some photos, they tell you about... Mm-hmm. The different kinds of behind-the-scenes things. Mm-hmm. And then they take you to the Green Dragon Inn, and you get uh, a flagon of ale. Nice. And then they send you on your way. Yeah. So no pints? Uh, I mean, it's probably really a pint. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't measure. I was like, this is 9.30 in the morning, and I'm drinking beer. And then I have to drive somewhere on the wrong side of the road. This is an adventure. <laughs> And we were going to the glowworm caves the same day, so okay. it was a pretty jam-packed day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like to do that when you're traveling, is have, like, are you more of a, like, we'll see what happens, or are you more of a, like, we've got to do this, 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 and this, and these are the days that we are doing these? How organized are you? I'm I'm t- a terrible planner mm-hmm. in that I try and plan too much. Uh, I really try and leave space for, you know, spontaneous mm-hmm. activities. Mm-hmm. But you I don't. get so excited about the planning that I mm-hmm. can't help myself. <laughs> um, so, mm-hmm. and I don't ever want to have time wasted. Mm. Um, I did learn my lesson when we did our our Western, Southwestern, Iberian Peninsula tour. That's okay. the word I'm looking yeah. for. Um, That's a good one. I overplanned. Mm. Like, a lot. Mm. Um, Which is why, by the end, I was really, really sick. Because we were staying maybe two days in each place. Ah. So it was a real push to get from place to place. Mm -hmm. Um, We weren't sleeping very well, because you never sleep well on the first night in a new place. And we were staying Mm. in relatively cheap Airbnbs, and it was just... Mm. It was a struggle. Did you ever do, like, the overnight train or anything? We did an overnight bus. Oh, it's not fun. It what? was a regular bus. It just happened okay. to run overnight. It was like taking oh, yeah. the Greyhound over. Yeah, yeah. So it was not the best time. Fun fact, the first time I ever took a Greyhound bus was right after university exams and I was heading home and it was like 5 a.m. in the morning and everybody on the bus was sick except for me. And I'm pretty sure by the time I left that bus, I was sick. It was not a fun time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but... There weren't a whole lot of train options, and they were significant, significantly more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying to maximize bang for buck. Yeah. The one thing I did learn on that trip, um, which I think is a valuable lesson. Okay, so this is like cool life lesson stuff. So 
really pay attention to this part. Don't just listen, hear what's going on. I've always been the kind of person who's been a bit snooty about, like, you have to live the real experience. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do a tour on a tour bus. Mm-hmm. That way, if you have a limited amount of time, mm-hmm. you learn something about the entire place that you're in or all of the highlights about the place that you're in. Mm-hmm. And then you can see what things look interesting to go back to. Yeah. So, so fun fact, the reason why I'm a green here is because I used to run one of those tours for Ottawa. So if you're ever in Ottawa and you want to meet in a public place and then do a walking interview, because I'm not getting in a car with a stranger, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're great, but we're not doing it. Um, but yeah, hit me up. It'll be fun. In Porto, which was a city in Portugal, mm-hmm. it's in the north. Um we had like a day and a half mm-hmm. and so we booked a, bu- a, a tour on a bus right yeah and that way we saw okay we definitely want to go back to the cathedral it mm-hmm. looks beautiful we mm-hmm. went there it was stunning mm-hmm. definitely time well spent mm-hmm. and that might have been realistically the only thing that we really saw in Porto mm-hmm. but it was stunning yeah. And it was worth our time mm-hmm. rather than trying to hike out to, there's a monastery there, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is stunning. And if I had the chance, I would go back and see it. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad that I saw the thing that I did and that I chose it very particularly. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to just go with the flow a little bit more. Hopefully I'm improving. Mexico City, I'm trying really, really hard. Have a little, Have a little thing chill. for, there's a disaster that happens right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, the, what ended up happening was, when we did our Europe trip, there mm-hmm. was a point in our in our trip where I had booked three days in, like, what's normally a resorty part of town. Mm-hmm. Not, like, not even part of town, it's, like, a resort area. So mm-hmm. it was winter, so it was pretty dead. Mm-hmm. And we had rented a scooter, and I was booking those kind of as, like, relaxed days, because mm-hmm. Russell had been in Denmark for four months. We hadn't really had the chance to hang out. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. let's just sit down and chill and, like, visit for a bit because I haven't seen you in four months. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, on our schedule, because there was an obvious <laughs> schedule, I had booked it as, like, relaxed time, mm-hmm. possible options for activities mm-hmm. might include this, this, or this. Mm-hmm. So we did this, this, and this over the, <laughs> that period of time, which mm-hmm. meant we saw some cool stuff. Yeah. But it wasn't relaxing. It was still very busy. So... <laughs> Sorry. So we're running low on time. Okay. So um, quickly, what would? Why should other people give travel a shot? Traveling a shot. You just learn to see the world differently. Mm. If you live in one place your entire life, you get. I'm. I'm. I love having a connection to your roots. Mm-hmm. I'm very connected to where I'm from. I think it's really important to be comfortable going outside of your boundaries. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people from my hometown don't really do that and mm-hmm. go somewhere where they don't speak English. Mm. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's so worth it because mm-hmm. the, the Anglophone world, the Anglosphere is just so similar. We mm-hmm. all kind of see the world in the same way. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go somewhere like Brazil, they'll just be like, Oh my gosh, you guys are all so cold. <laughs> you Anglophones are all so cold. It's like, what do you mean? Like, I help out my neighbors when they need help. I'm there for my family, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But you're cold. Like, you don't feel things. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, now I mm-hmm. see it after mm-hmm. having been there. Mm-hmm. And so there are things that, that you can't ever understand unless mm-hmm. you 
go outside of your comfort zone. Okay. And then even just about yourself, you won't understand things about yourself if you mm-hmm. don't do that. All right. So. Yeah. Is there anything people should be checking out related? Any resources that you'd recommend about traveling? Documentaries, shows, um, websites? Links to Atlas Obscura and all the other resources Elizabeth mentioned will be in the description of this episode. Um, I definitely would recommend Atlas Obscura. Okay. Uh, They kind of highlight sort of offbeat destinations. So we saw... um, an ossuary, for example, in Portugal, because we went on Atlas Obscura and there's a find weird things near me kind of option, and it told Mm -hmm. us there's an ossuary not far away. I love ossuaries so much. An ossuary, just so you know, is the bone zone. It's where, like, skeletal remains of people, humans. They're so creepy. Oh, yeah. I was feeling a little bit claustrophobic, but it was really Mm -hmm. cool. And Mm -hmm. then I think um, Parts Unknown, the Anthony Bourdain series, he just has a way of but like the piece about seeing the world differently because mm-hmm. of where you are, mm-hmm. he gets that and mm-hmm. he, he explains it really, really well and he connects with people in a way that mm-hmm. can be really difficult if you're an mm-hmm. anglophone mm-hmm. Um, and can be really difficult if you're just visiting a place for mm-hmm. a short period of time. But he gives that perspective and, and highlights the challenges and the, the daily struggles and the daily beauty of different places really, really well. So mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend that. Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Yep. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for, for letting me ramble about greenness. something I love. It's great. Anytime, anytime. All right. I'm going to stop record. So Elizabeth, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being willing to put yourself out there and uh, let yourself be recorded even though you had no final product to like base yourself off of. I hope that you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed interviewing you. And dear listener, thank you. Thank you so much for taking some time to put my fumbling attempts at creating good content into your ears. If you'd like to leave some feedback, I would love that. Uh, You can leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy or you use. Um, If you use a platform that you don't enjoy for whatever reason, are you okay? You deserve better. You could also uh, follow us on Twitter at WLBpod at Twitter.com. I don't know why I keep saying that. Like, it's an email. It's not an email. It's a Twitter handle. Um, Our email is WeLovePlankPodcast at gmail.com. I keep using the plural we, even though it's just me. So I don't know what's going on with that. We Love Blank is an independently produced podcast. Uh, thank you so much if you'd like to take some time to share this word of mouth is a great way to spread the news about this awesome new adventure that we're going on together and we love blank is recorded on the unceded territory of the algonquin people so i'm gonna let future me play us out enjoy Hundred more just to be 
the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your door. Da 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 time when I'm with you. When I go home, oh, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. When I come home, oh, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's coming home with you. I'm gonna be the, be the man who's coming home with you. future me place out and leave my con- closet to do that come on handle jeez oh, no what are you <laughs> i can't get out oh no <laughs> there we go ha ha ha